0: Today, we are going to dive into a better understanding of vaccinations and expose some of the dangers associated with them. Why as a society are we so accepting of the fact that vaccinations are the standard of care when there is no scientific data to support it? We are taught from an early age that vaccinations will protect us from all of the diseases at the time, making us healthier as a result. Blindly trusting the advice of the medical profession, vaccinations are administered unnecessarily to people and pets alike under the guise of health care. In fact, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, says that we should be vaccinated to protect us, theoretically, from 62 diseases. Not until someone becomes ill or even dies is the profession questioned for the heinous act of injecting a vial of toxic substances into the body, bypassing all of the natural mucosal passageways. In the book, Mark of the Beast by Dr. Patricia Jordan, she states, when you take a closer look, you'll see that vaccines cause more damage than good. More and more humans and pets are being vaccinated on a regular basis, with the result ending in acute and chronic diseases related to vaccinations. Chronic diseases have many names, including arthritis, hypo or hyperthyroidism, allergies, asthma, irritable bowel disease, repeated ear infections, skin disease, heart disease, diabetes, kidney failure, and cancer. To understand this epidemic, you must follow the money trail as it is related to vaccines. For example, the CDC spent $190 million to hide research that mercury is a neurotoxin and to disprove that mercury was linked to autism. I fear that my own personal experience of being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 16 could have been linked to an autoimmune response from childhood vaccines. There is absolutely no history of diabetes in my family, which begs the question, why at this age would I have an autoimmune-induced destruction of islet cells in my pancreas? Some would just think it's bad luck, but knowing how vaccines alter the organism, it only makes sense that my immune system was turned on its head. Credit not the vaccine unless you give it credit for the chronic disease you or your animals now suffer from. And that quote is by Dr. Will Falconer. All of us were born with a beautiful innate immune system, otherwise known as the vital force. The vital force is there to stand up to anything that challenges it, like a great warrior ready for battle. It is a network of glands, nodes, and organs and must be supported constantly with nutrients that are species appropriate. Immune confusion and dysregulation occur with improper nutrition, vaccinations, and environmental toxins. When the immune system is dysregulated in our pets, many symptoms labeled as allergies occur. Instead of recognizing these symptoms as dysregulation of the immune system or a body that is not in homeostasis, most conventional veterinarians will administer antibiotics and steroids, which further dysregulate the immune system. Most conventional veterinarians are suppressing the symptoms that are warning signals that something is not right. And this is akin to unplugging the check engine light on your car. You're not getting to the bottom of it. The term vaccinosis was termed all the way back to the 1700s, however, best described by British physician named Dr. J. Compton Burnett in his book, Vaccinosis and its Cure by Thuja, and it was written in 1884. Compton Burnett noticed that a number of diseases appeared in his patients after they were vaccinated with smallpox. The vaccine for smallpox was the first widely used on humans. Some of the diseases he saw were eczema, urinary tract infections, chronic ear infections, chronic headaches, and sore spines. Dr. Burnett coined the term vaccinosis. In its simplest sense, vaccinosis means illness that came about due to being vaccinated. Vaccinosis is chronic disease and conventional medicine has no cure for chronic disease. Giving an antibiotic, a steroid, or a prescribed medicine such as Apoquil that is prescribed all too frequently will not cure chronic disease, but instead only mask symptoms and drive disease deeper into the body. Fear of succumbing to a disease or virus is the driving force behind the persistent use of vaccinations. What the general public, including doctors and veterinarians, do not know or choose not to believe is that by vaccinating, you are keeping mutations of the disease in play. Vaccines indeed are not safe, rather the mark of medical superstition and compulsory vaccinations is a sign of medical tyranny. That quote is by Dr. Patricia Jordan. The vaccine industry is corrupt and has been proven to go to many links to market vaccines as safe, effective, and preventative. Not only are they not safe, effective, and preventative, they destroy the immune system and create long-lasting chronic disease. Vaccines are a multi-billion dollar industry. The CDC makes recommendations to all 50 states on which vaccinations should be given. When the state receives federal funding for the vaccinations, they receive kickbacks from the CDC. Patricia Jordan, in her book, entitled Mark of the Beast Hidden in Plain Sight, references two individuals who have witnessed vaccine controversy in the U.S., Barbara Lowe Fisher and Dr. Harris Coulter. These two authors both agree that not only are vaccines the sacred cow of the public health care system, they have also become the golden calf. Unfortunately, due to the greed of the vaccine industry, people and animals suffer with insurmountable acute and chronic disease and even death in some cases. You do not have to go far to find story after story detailing how a recently vaccinated cat and or dog mysteriously came down with something. When the illness is outside of the 24-hour window of the administered vaccination, many veterinarians are quick to say that their illness is unrelated to the vaccine's. Because of this, adverse vaccine reactions are grossly underreported to the tune of less than 10%. To make matters worse, the veterinarians that try to report adverse vaccine reactions are ridiculed by the drug company, making it a painstakingly difficult assignment. Furthermore, many of the companies who make vaccines are the same companies that make the drugs used to treat vaccine reactions. Dr. Henry R. Bybee of Norfolk, Virginia has publicly stated, my honest opinion is that vaccine is the cause of more disease and suffering than anything I could name. Vaccinations are an assault to the immune system. They include dangerous and toxic substances, including, but not limited to, formaldehyde, which is a cancer-causing agent, latex, egg protein, aborted fetal tissue, antibiotics, pig and horse blood, dog and monkey kidney, rabbit brain, antifreeze, sorbitol, sucrose, pus, feces, urine, and fungi. Additionally, vaccines include adjuvants, substances that enhance the antibody production, including mercury and aluminum, and both of which have been proven as neurotoxins. It's no wonder so many people and animals alike suffer from neurological disorders and from allergies to latex and eggs. None of these ingredients are substances that a body would encounter as part of a natural immunity to disease, therefore creating an unnatural response. Vaccinations work by inducing a stronger disease, which repels weaker natural disease. Every vaccinated being has a vaccine-induced disease, which has caused the suppression of cellular immune response. The act of vaccination creates a completely dysregulated and confused immune system. And that is a quote by Alexandra Mikik in her book, Immune Doggy, Four Pillars of Dynamic Immunity. Vaccines bypass all of the natural pathways of the immune system, including that of the mucous membranes of the nose and mouth. The immune system is a wonderful and complex entity involving several organs, including the spleen, lymph nodes, tonsils, liver, thymus, and bone marrow. By bypassing all of the natural pathways of the immune system with a subdermal injection of toxic substances, sends the immune system into a panic. This panic sounds off alarms and alerts to all of the organism's defense systems without the ability to ever rid itself of this foreign invader. This sets the body up for chronic inflammation and disease as the immune system is working overtime to battle this enemy, otherwise known as a vaccine, all given under the guise of healthcare and preventative medicine. Recently, many pet owners have turned to titer testing in lieu of vaccinations. However, titer testing is not as straightforward as you may think. A titer is a blood test that measures the amount of antibody in the blood to a particular disease. So a titer used to detect antibodies to the parvovirus would show the amount of antibodies against parvo that a dog has had in their blood. The problem with this approach is that low titers do not equate with lack of protection, especially if measured several years after the original vaccination. The evidence is strong that immunity persists for years or for life from vaccines given early in life and the risk of chronic illness is significantly increased with vaccine repetition. So if a pet parent receives a low titer test several years after the original vaccination, they may think it necessary to revaccinate their pet. But to take it a step further, let's look at the two components of the immune system: humoral immunity and cell-mediated immunity. Humoral immunity is affected by antibodies in the blood. These antibodies originate from B cells, and when titer tests are done, these are the antibodies that are measured. Cell-mediated immunity depends on a variety of cells, including T cells and NK cells. NK cells, also known as natural killer cells, are a type of immune cell that has granules or small particles with enzymes that can kill tumor cells or cells infected with a virus. The cell-mediated arm of the immune system can be studied, however, it is normally relegated to research labs. This is not typically something the average pet owner could afford to have done on their pet. Then there are memory cells. These cells hold memory from previously exposed viruses, either by natural exposure or by vaccination. Memory cells are long-lived and have specific memory about foreign invaders they have encountered. So are titer tests reliable? Currently, titer tests are the most available way to measure immunity to certain diseases. But we must understand that there are parts of the immunity picture that titers are unable to show us. For example, they only measure one part of the immunity, the antibodies produced against a specific disease. What is not measured by a titer test is any part of the cell-mediated immunity, especially the memory cells. Unfortunately, as a result of a low titer test, many pet parents are quick to give their dog a booster when it, in reality their pet has immunity to that particular disease, most likely for life of the pet. A low titer can be a sign that the individual has not been exposed to the disease measured. Therefore, the titer has not needed to rise to mount an immune response. A mentor once explained that immunity is akin to being pregnant. Either you are or you're not. A low titer also equals immunity. One of the most controversial vaccines to date, no doubt, is the rabies vaccine. There are two basic forms of law. One is the legal, constitutional, and common law that this country was founded on. And the other is colorable law passed by administrative agencies and bureaucrats who have been given so-called authority to pass laws. According to Dr. John Fundin's Naturalrearing.com and the big scam rabies vaccination. Any and all mandatory rabies vaccination programs are colorable law in that they have been passed and mandated upon the pet owning public by certain vested interest groups. These groups include veterinarians and medical organizations. Second are the local animal control personnel, bureaucrats, and politicians. All of their intentions are powered by greed, power, and control. The rabies law was put into place to protect the human population. Sadly, the outcomes of this colorable law has led to unnecessary long-term damage to our pets. Many veterinarians make it common practice to vaccinate for rabies with an arbitrary, unscientific interval, whether it be one year or three years for the lifetime of the animal for their own monetary benefit. What is not considered by these lawmakers is the level of risk an animal may have to contracting the rabies virus. For instance, if a pet mostly lives indoors in an area where rabies is non-existent or if they live in a high-risk rabies endemic area, these same veterinarians are administering the rabies vaccine are unlikely to tell you the risk associated with this highly toxic cocktail. Due to the extremely high adverse reactions from vaccines, and namely the rabies vaccination, Chris Christine has dedicated herself to educating other pet owners of the dangers of vaccinations by forming the Rabies Challenge Fund. Chris Christine unfortunately lost her dog, Meadow, after developing a mast cell cancerous tumor at the site of the most recent rabies vaccination. The Rabies Challenge Fund was put into place to challenge the belief that a three-year booster is necessary when data from serological studies conducted by Dr. Ronald Schultz show antibody titers that confer immunity to rabies seven years after vaccination. More than ever, pet parents must be informed as to how to navigate through this very agenda-driven bureaucratic process to protect their pet from short- and long-term vaccine damage. If you believe a law is immoral, you have a duty to disobey it. And that quote is by Pat McKay from the book Natural Immunity. As part of my due diligence and learning more about the vaccination requirements in place from local boarding and grooming facilities, I contacted six boarding facilities and three groomers within a 10 mile radius of my retail store, Bark Avenue. My questions were Would you accept tighter tests in lieu of vaccination records for my dog to either be boarded there? or to be groomed at your facility? And then the other question was, would my dog be able to either be boarded or groomed at your facility with a vaccination waiver from my veterinarian that states vaccinations would be detrimental to my pet's health? The results were as follows. Three of the six boarding facilities said that they would not accept titers in lieu of vaccinations, no exceptions. Three said that they would accept titers for parvo, distemper, adenovirus, and rabies. The dog that I was using for this example has had all of the above titers completed on her. I'll also let them know that she was 14 and a half years old. The sticking point, however, for all of the facilities that I contacted was the requirement for the Bordetella vaccination. All said that I could not board her without Bordetella unless I had proof from my veterinarian that she could not receive it for medical reasons. Several of them even stated that seniors and puppies are even more susceptible to kennel cough making it more important that she have this vaccine prior to boarding. One of the three groomers that I contacted said that they would accept titers in lieu of vaccinations. However, one of them said that I would have to sign a waiver for the Bordetella vaccination. Two of the three groomers do not require vaccination records, which are the ones that we endorse regularly and have used personally. In conclusion of this fact-finding mission, it is more evident than ever that most boarding and grooming facilities have blindly placed their trust in unscientific and unproven practices in the name of prevention. Uneducated and uninformed consumers willingly comply with these mandated vaccination requirements, unknowingly putting their pet in danger of acquiring acute or chronic lifetime disease and illness. As a retail pet store owner, I am faced daily with a customer who is seeking relief for their very allergic itchy dog. After just a few questions, I found out that their dog has been vaccinated within the last few weeks or months. Further questioning reveals that many of these dogs have undergone rounds of antibiotics and steroids to counteract the symptoms in hopes of finding relief. These dogs are what we call stuck in the hamster wheel of conventional medicine. What I find most rewarding is that once we recommend that these same customers start on a regimen which typically includes upgrading their pet's diet along with a few supplements, improvements are generally seen and they are committed to the process. These pets start the healing process and with the patience and commitment of the pet parent, their pet turns the corner and begins the path to homeostasis or balance. This is another testament of how following the laws of nature equate to health. To acquire true immunity to disease, first and foremost, the body must be supported with proper species-appropriate nutrition. Since dogs and cats are carnivores, they require fresh raw meat, bones, and organs to thrive. Additionally, their immune system must not be suppressed with toxins such as vaccines, pesticides, including conventional heartworm preventative and flea and tick treatment. They should have plenty of access to fresh non-chlorinated and non-fluoridated water and lots of natural exercise and sunshine. Unfortunately, there is no room in nature for straying from nature's laws of health without experiencing recourse. As always, everything I do is about your dogs and your cats and trying to keep them as healthy as possible. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we will see you next time.